0: Does my mother still know every time I need to go to the bathroom? My daddy may now make an announcement. Ah. Ah. You know, you sit down with InDesign and you make a beautiful resume. Ah. And then you make a PDF out of that, and then you shove it through this machine, and the machine's like, ah. Ah. To the bitterest pill. Hey, welcome, 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 one and all to the bitterest pill. It's Dan Class. I'm in my garage, under the flight path at Los Angeles uh, International Airport. Oh my gosh! I guess I have to say Happy New Year, don't I? It's been that long. Happy New Year. Happy 2020. How has it been going so far? What 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 day am I recording? Oh, my gosh, sorry. It's already January uh, 13th, and the new – you know, this is a new decade. Even if you don't think it's a new decade, it's a new – we all just kind of think of it as a new decade. Let's not get all into the zero and one thing, okay? This is a new decade. We can make decade resolutions instead of just New Year's resolution, right? We can set our sights i think a little higher than than maybe in uh, the the 19s or 18s or any of those teens we're in the roaring 20s now baby we're in the 20s see that's easy to say i don't like saying the teens but in a in 10 20 years when i'm in my old age home i can say i remember back in the 20s when i said i was going to finally get my shit together <laughs> that was funny <laughs> How have you been so Well, one of the things that I've done is um now you're aware that I'm very self-conscious about the fact that I've gained a lot of weight in the last 2 years and I, I'm not going to focus on it too much, but but I have. I I've, I've gained a lot of weight in the last 2 years. So much in fact that I I dare say we might be getting into the 25-30 pound area. Okay? So I've been reading up on intermittent fasting, which is where you basically try not to eat every day until about 11 in the morning, and then you eat somewhat regularly slash sensibly until either six or eight, and then you stop eating again. So you're, unbeknownst to you, theoretically, (laughs) you're, (laughs) right, I always know when I'm not eating, trust me, You're, you're going a long time without eating, which is very good, right? And then I've also been doing a lot of research on this on the keto diet. You you guys know what all this is. This is old hat. The keto diet, as far as I can tell, is basically the Atkins diet, but just with different branding. You know what I mean? It's no carb. Don't eat carbs. Eat fat and protein. And then miraculously – well, no, not – see, Atkins was miraculously. Keto is based on science. And what happens is, you see, if you keep your calorie – or your – excuse me, your carbohydrate intake low enough – your body goes into ketosis and it's during ketosis that you're burning the fat stores of your body for energy, which I find very restricting because uh, I apparently you eat like one thing that that isn't quote unquote made for the keto diet and you're over your limit for the day. So this is what I've devised. It's a brand new diet. It's for people like me, and it's called intermittent keto. Which what, what you do, it's sort of a combination of those two, but what you do is this. You wake up in the morning, and you try to go a little, right? You don't eat immediately. You try to put it off at least a little bit, and then when you do finally eat something, you try to keep it a no-carb thing, right? And then about 11 in the morning, When all the intermittent fasting people are starting to eat, you give up on this keto bullshit and you just eat a donut. But at least you've tried. So every day you get the feeling that you've at least tried. Now, you don't feel like you've succeeded. You feel like a failure. And honestly, you're not losing any weight, but at least you're on one of these diets in a way. Right. If you were to go to a dinner party, cocktail party, something like that, class reunion, you could say, oh, my gosh, I've been on I've been doing intermittent keto. It's wonderful. Really? How's it wonderful? Well, I get to eat a donut every day and then pretty much anything I want. I'm not losing any weight, but uh, I'm not starving myself like you, you jackass. Because I I listen to this very uh, intriguing TED Talk, where the guy was explaining how humans lose weight, and it was this very long and involved explanation of uh, the creation of carbon monoxide or car- carbon dioxide. Excuse me, <laughs> that'd be interesting if if humans made carbon monoxide, um, you <laughs> you wouldn't be able to breathe in anything you breathe out. That'd be tricky. Um, no carbon. Now, I'm confusing myself. Dioxide, yes. CO2, right? It, it, he basically, he talks for like 25 minutes or however long a TED Talk is to tell us the way you lose weight is by putting out CO2 and water. That's, that's, you know, that's how, right? You have to figure out a way to get your body to put out as much CO2 as possible. And as much water as possible. And there's really only one way I can think to do that. And that's exercise. Why didn't he just say that in the beginning? I thought he was going to tell me some cool way where I, if I just sit and exhale a lot that I could lose weight. But yeah, you have to exhale to the point of almost hyperventilating, you know, like you would when you're running down the street for 20 minutes a day, which I don't want to do. I keep trying to convince myself that um, this weight gain is because of some medication that I'm on and that before I was on this medication, I was much thinner and now I am not much thinner. I am way not much thinner. But the truth is before I was on this medication, I was actually exercising a lot and I didn't even realize it. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't focused on losing weight. I was just focused on following the orders of my karate teacher. And I would go to karate class and he'd say, hey, Dan, have you been walking? You're supposed to walk. X number of minutes every day. And I'd be like, um, yes. And then I didn't say, um, you're not allowed to say, um, in a karate class, you know that. But, but I would then walk. And so I'm walking pretty much every other day. And then the days that I'm not walking, I'm going to cry. Right. So that's okay. That's how it works. That's where the CO2 is being right. And the water sweating pr- profusely. How much do you sweat? I sweat a lot. And maybe that's why I'm so against working out exercise of any kind. Is because it immediately becomes an issue of just pure, unadulterated water works. And th- there's something kind of gross about that. I'm going to be honest with you. So this is a definitely, you know, I've missed you. I've, I missed you. And, I, and, and the fact that we haven't talked since, uh, you know, November something, you'd think I have, I'd have a lot of great stories. And I'm—I got to tell you something. I'm—I'm I'm pretty sure I don't. You know what I mean? Pretty sure that I don't. I have—I have some things I can tell you. You know what I mean? Like for instance, so today's—what uh, day is today? Monday. <clears throat> so today's—today's today's Monday. I'm in Southern California here under the flight path, Los Angeles International Airport. A couple of days ago, I was in the snow in Prescott, Arizona. So what happened was. In the summertime, which was a long time ago, uh, we needed a car for our son Hudson because he was going to be home for the summer because that's what college kids do, apparently. They come home uh, for the summer. And my parents were nice enough to offer to lend us one of their cars. They said they weren't going to be needing it. And I may have told you this part before, I don't remember it's so long between shows and you know me i don't listen to this so i i may have gone through all this before so i'll i won't linger on i went that's on night right we float we flow <laughs> we flew my friend we flew to prescott arizona in the spring or summer and we picked up the car and we drove back and then shortly after that i actually drove the car back to Arizona and back when my mom was in the hospital. I don't know if we talked about that. Did we talk about, I I don't know what we talked. I see my, my mother, she kept kind of like almost dying in the summertime, which was not how she wanted to spend her summer almost dying. Um, But she kept having quote unquote cardiac uh, episodes, episodes, cardiac incidences. I don't know. You know, they beat around the bush and they don't want to say it's a heart attack. Or heart failure, no, that's what, maybe it was heart failure, which sounds worse than a heart attack, at least a heart attack. It sounds like you're being jumped or something, and it sounds quick. Heart failure, that sounds like you die, and then you stop dying. So you don't die all the way, but you begin to die, right, the the mortality ending process. And then something changes, and then you stop, the, and you come back or something. That's That's what heart failure always sounds like to me. I don't like it. We got to call it something else, maybe pumpkins. So, so yeah, over the summer, maybe I didn't tell you this because I just didn't want to get into it because it's very upsetting. You know, when your parents, right, are getting older and uh, sickly, it's very uh, mind boggling, as I'm sure you either know or can imagine, Uh, because you know, you kind of think of your parents as, you know, how they were in their 30s or <laughs> 30s or 40s. You know, you don't, you don't really think of them like, yeah, my dad's 80. I am totally aware of that. No, it's denial and denial because really my parents, uh, no pressure, need to live forever. And I don't think that's asking too much. I've asked a lot of them so far in life, I know, you know, with all the like raising me and clothing me and money and school and all that stuff. But if they then could also just kind of tie things together, live forever, that would be great. But no, my mom was in the hospital for a couple of weeks on and off in the summer. And I went, I went and I stayed for. I don't know how long it was anymore. It was a week or something, maybe 10 days, maybe two days. I don't know. Let's call it a week because it kind of makes me sound, you know, like a good son. And while I was there, you know, she was on oxygen and she could barely walk and her lungs were full of liquid. And they kept having to pull the liquid out of her lungs, which is about as nasty as it sounds. But she did not die which was wonderful news. But the last time I saw her was after she had come home and she was kind of hobbling around the uh, house with this big oxygen, not even an oxygen tank. It's an oxygen machine. It's a pump. And I would liken it to something. It's like a generator, basically. Have you ever seen a a generator? You know, maybe you live in in the snow belts and you have a generator in case you lose power. It's like that. Like a the, the size of a college refrigerator, but it you plug it in and it sucks oxygen out of the air and shoves it up your mom's nose, and it's very loud. And the the hose is every you know, the hose goes from the pumpy pump thing to your mom's nose which irked the crap out of my parents because that meant that little green tubing was all over the floor. And God forbid there's green tubing on the floor, even though mom, you know, a couple days ago was dying. Can we put this into perspective where mom, right, we're happy mom's alive, but she needs oxygen to be up her nose all the time. Can we just kind of accept for a couple of days that there's going to be a little thing of green tubing on the kitchen floor? Can we not really? That's that's irksome. But my parents are super neat. I don't know what happened. Hopefully my sister is really, really super neat. And she got all the neatness. But I got none of it. I am, you don't, you know, just, you you don't want to know. You don't, I'm not dirty. I just have a very abstract method of organization. But the last time I saw my mother... She couldn't breathe on her own. We were checking her uh, blood oxygen level all the time. She was walking around with a walker, and part of the problem had been that um, but I didn't I didn't really even expect to get into this. It's so funny. So did we talk about the dog? Because what happened was, and you never know when something's going to have a silver lining. So what happened was, backing up before my mom went into the hospital, her dog basically broke her hip, my mother's hip. My mother's dog broke my mother's hip. Now, what I mean by that is my mom has two dogs, and she's walking the dogs, and one of them is a somewhat young, fairly young Australian Shepherd mite, all right? So the Australian Shepherd Millie is a spirited young lass, Sheila, all right? And the spirited young Sheila, I forget what happened if she saw like a deer or a javelina. Do you know what a javelina is? So in the rural neighborhood, there were these things. They're they're still there called javelinas. And to picture a javelina, you have to picture a huge wild boar, but with the teeth of a possum or maybe one of those really scary fish that live way down deep in the ocean and they have a little light bulb on their head. You know what I mean? The light bulb fishes. They are horrible, horrible, ugly, disgusting, horrible creatures called javelinas. And they wander around my mom's old neighborhood. My parents have moved. I just, the spoiler alert, my parents have moved. But I think what was happening was my mom, tiny little blonde mommy, was walking the dogs in the and M- Millie, the Sheila, saw Havilland or something, and ran toward it and pulled my mother down in the middle of the street and broke her hips. Two hipular fractures of my mother. So my poor, you know, seventy-some odd year old mother is lying in the street. Luckily, one of the neighbors saw her and came out and called the called the cops. You know what I mean? Called for paramedics and called my dad. And my dad came out blah, 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 and she ends up in the hospital. But right, silver lining, while she was in the hospital, they, they, you know, for her hips, they're like, hey, you know, don't mean to be rude, but I think you're having heart failure and your lungs might be full of something. So let's really check you out. So yeah, originally she actually did not go into the hospital for heart failure. She went into the hospital for having her broken hips. Now, so I don't know if I'm recommending that you arrange for your mother to fall down in the street. I'm just saying sometimes when something horrible happens, maybe something good is simultaneously happening. Even though that good thing involves your mother uh, having heart failure several times over the course of a couple of weeks. So the summer ended and Hudson went back to college and didn't need the car anymore. And so I said to my parents, at least this is my memory of it. I'm going to qualify that because, you know, the truth is a, a, is a fickle mistress. Um, hey, I, I, you know, I can bring the car back. And my mom said, you know, we don't need it back in a hurry, obviously, because I'm on a goddamn walker. Excuse my French. I'm on a walker. I can't drive. We've got your dad's car. I probably can't get in and out of my car anyway because her car is a little convertible bug. So maybe just, l- listen, don't rush. Maybe bring it if you come at Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. Uh, okay, are you sure? I feel kind of weird enough that we borrowed it in the first place. No one's going to drive it. It's going to sit in the driveway in the carport. And, and OK, but no. So we kept it and it just kind of sat here. And every once in a while, the car would come up and it kind of seemed like, oh, I think my parents. Right. Are hinting that they want the car back. So then I would say, see, I I would say, hey, you know what I should do? I should bring the car back. And like, oh, Danny, don't do that. You know, you're so busy and don't, you don't have, don't worry about it. And it's stupid me when people say things to me. I believe them. So instead of reading into that with paranoia thinking, you know what? I bet they're just being nice and I really should take this goddamn thing back. um, I thought they were saying, really, wait till you're here. So, so we had the car, we had the car, we had the car. And the plan was we were going to go to Arizona at Christmas time and we were going to drive two cars one of ours and and then my mother's little bug, to Arizona and then leave the bug there and then we would all drive home in our car. But then they got snow reports, you know what I mean, snow, uh, snow forecasts. And I'm sure you remember, if you've been a listener of this crap, that last year, I think it was last year, right, we got snowed into Prescott. We were like, ha, 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 there's no way we're going to get snowed into Prescott. It's in Arizona, right? We'll be flying home in no time. And then it snowed and then our flights got canceled into Prescott, Arizona. So now my parents, when they say it's going to snow, we're like, oh, really? Maybe. We so they were very like, I don't know if you should come, but it's up to you. <laughs> oh, great. So we didn't end up going. And then I thought we were going to go because the weather changed, but then something came up and and it's kind of a long story that I'll get into maybe later with this script that Hudson and I are writing together. My son, my son and I collaborating again. The creators of Animal Rescue Force friends (laughs) are collaborating again. This is very serious. Stop laughing. So, so this thing came up with this script. So then we decided we couldn't go. I didn't have time to go. I needed to do some work (laughs) and hand it in. Okay. So then my mother says to me, and maybe she even said it previous to saying it to me, to my wife. I don't know. But suddenly, so we're not going to Arizona. And then my mother says, Well, your dad says he's going to fly to Los Angeles and get the car. Which I interpret as your dad is sick of waiting for you to bring back that car. So he's going to just come and get it. So I say, holy cow, okay, I got to call, I got to, uh, I got to, what am I going to do? Hey, mama, you know what? I'm going to call you back. And I, uh, 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 right? <laughs> so you, you 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 make arrangements. You make arrangements. So I called my mom back and I said, well, listen, so what's, okay, what's, is dad upset or something? Because I thought maybe my dad was upset. He's a quiet guy. You never, some right? Sometimes you know, sometimes you don't know. Because he doesn't, he's not a big talker. So I think maybe he's mad. So I say to my mom, hey, listen, is dad mad? And she says, no, but he has gotten it into his 80 year old head. And I don't mean to ageism him, but he's gotten it into his head that he wants to fly to Los Angeles and then drive the car back. And I say, but mom, the airport alone, part of that plan is insanity. I don't know what they've done to LAX. LAX used to, has always been crazy. And then, you know, as you can imagine, every year it gets more crazy. And then recently they did something over there where it's even super crazy-er. And I don't know if it's now the Ubers have to be over here instead of over there. And, and, and instead of waiting for the buses, you don't wait on this sidewalk, you wait on the other. It is a nightmare. It is unbelievable. It's unbelievable dealable, withable, you don't, you just don't. I, don't. I can't, I just can't imagine dragging my, even if I went in as far as you can go, which nowadays, right, post 9-11, it's not that far, and found him and got him and, right, it would just, it sounds bad. And my parents are living in sleepy Arizona. It's exciting in their little town one day a year when the rodeo is in town. Otherwise, it's a very calm environment that they live in. So I say, no, mom, 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 you know what? I've got time, right? Everything's going fine with the script, which was true. We, we had our big meeting, which was true. I'm going to come and I'm going to bring the car and I'm going to bring it and I'm going to do this on a Thursday and then we'll hang around a Friday and then I'm going to drive in a rental car on Saturday. Now, I I like driving. I don't mind it. My family doesn't... It's a very long drive. It's six to eight hours. And by six to eight, I say six, but it's really eight. I say six when I'm trying to get my, my family in the car, and then it's eight, okay? And that's just... That's not even... You're not stopping to eat, necessarily. You're stopping to pee and maybe pick up a Diet Coke and a protein cookie. You know what I mean? But you're not like hanging out at Wendy's for an hour, having some, uh, BLT. But the way things are now, when I drive here in Los Angeles from Orange County to LA or back or whatever, it can take 45 minutes to an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours to get where I'm going, even though it's only a 45 mile drive, Right. And by the time I do these 45-mile drives, I usually need to pass out for 20 minutes and just somehow regroup. You know what I mean? Like my brain just goes, you're done. So I'm driving to Prescott, Arizona, which is not a 45-minute or a two-hour drive. It's not a 45-mile drive. It's uh, – I don't know, 250, 300, however far you can drive in eight hours. It's eight hours. So I'm driving and I'm driving and I'm driving and I'm driving. And I'm routinely stopping for Diet Coke and, you know, protein cookie or a protein bar when a protein, right? Because I I give up on eating normally like a human. I'm just going to eat processed protein cookie things and drink as much caffeine as i can get in my body. You know the trick with that of course is what goes in has to come right? So you got to stop. So this is fine. This is fine. I've got it down to a science. I drink the soda. No, i eat the cookie. I usually eat the cookie. This is my this is my routine. This is all part of intermittent keto. Take notes. Or or you know what? Don't take notes. Just wait and buy the book. I eat the whatever then I drink the soda and then I drive until I cannot wait any longer. And then I stop and use the facility, buy another Diet Coke, buy another protein cookie, repeat as needed. Now, the great thing about that is, you know, a cold Diet Coke is about two bucks where I am, you know, $1.89 or whatever. A lot of these places that I stopped. The first one was a dollar eighty-nine, or two dollars even, but the second one was only a dollar if you bought two at a time. But I had no way to keep the second one cold, and I can't drink two without stopping after the first one. It's just that's how they. It's not even how they get you. It's how they drive me crazy. I should have just stocked up on extra, bot, right? And then bought some ice. I, I, who knows? But it becomes very clear about halfway through the journey that there is no amount of caffeine in the world to keep me awake. Now, I'm not saying I'm getting tired. I'm saying I'm getting not awake, as in, Oh my God, pull your eyelids open, jerk your chin up, do whatever you need to do. Roll down the windows at 85 miles an hour, but just don't. And I literally, I caught myself and I know I shouldn't. And, I, and this is when I knew I was in trouble, caught myself thinking, you know, I bet I could close my eyes for like 10 seconds. And everything would be fine. Let's, let's see. Let's see how long, right? As soon as you start (laughs) rationalizing, that is how you end up dying. I'm sure, right? I'm so exhausted. Now, it finally dawns on me that I left in the morning and right after I left, I thought to myself, oh crap, you forgot to take one of your pills in the morning. You have, right? You're an old man. You have pills that you have to take in the morning. And you forgot. So tell you what, after you go to the car wash with your mother's car and you wash it and vacuum it, even though you're going to drive through the desert, just do it, wash it and vacuum it in LA. But after you do that, go get, right, some sort of beverage and take your pill. And so what I did is I went. All right. I got in the the thingy, the bug, the whatever you call it, the Volkswagen. I filled it with gas and then I went to the car wash. I washed it. I vacuumed it. Hey, now listen, while I was vacuuming my car, uh, a woman drove by in a minivan and our eyes happened to meet and she smiled at me. Does that mean she thinks I'm cute or is she just trying to make sure that I don't kill her? That's yeah. That's what I figured. So anyway, so I vacuum my, and I go to the drugstore and I get the Diet Coke, right? I get my first Diet Coke and protein cookie, and I pay for them. And I get in the car and I never take the pill. But this pill is a slight uh, uh, stimulant. Okay, it's a it's a for my brain. It's a brain pill for my brain that is a stimulant that I'm supposed to take in the morning. And I forgot. So now I'm, dri- right, I'm driving down the freeway on my way out of California. And I think to myself, ah, crap, you forgot. You still, oh, you still haven't taken your stupid pill. And then it dawns on me, hey, jackass, could it be that one of the reasons you're falling asleep is because normally by this time, Of day, you would have taken about thirty-seven thousand milligrams of whatever that amphetamine is. Although honestly, I fall asleep all the time, even like in the middle of the day when I'm on my thing. But anyway, the point is, I have this aha moment. Aha! It may not do me any good. It's kind of late in the day. It's supposed to only last twelve hours. It never lasts more than about eight. I'm going to take this stupid thing now. I don't care because i can't sleep at 85 90 miles an hour and then end up in prescott it's not going to happen part of the part of the trip is uh, is up a mountain road and it's very windy and you can't look over the side or at least i can't because if i look over the side gravity grabs my brain and my whole skull and will pull me over the edge now A very tiny percentage of you uh, probably understood what that meant very vividly. The rest of you are like, I don't know what he's even talking about. Gravity can't grab your brain. Gravity is just gravity. Gravity is... But people that have, I don't know what it is, but like fear of heights or uh, vertigo or whatever, I don't know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're driving along on a mountain road and you look over the edge and it's super high... There's some weird phenomenon where I don't know if it's gravity or reality, survival, fight or flight, saying, flow, flee, flow, fly away. But it feels like the depth of it, right, grabs your skull and, and starts pulling you over the edge and to drop you down the thing. So I can't look. I can't look, but I can't be sleepy, right? I need to be awake, but calm and not look, but look enough to right, stay on the road, but not enough to get grabbed in the brain. So I finally take the thing and I say, "Eff it, I can't sleep. I'm also going to get some dark chocolate and some more soda and some sugary cookies, not protein cookies, real, you know, like those uh, grandma's peanut butter cookies. What are those? Is that that, that what those are called? Grandma's peanut butter? See, the protein cookies that I buy, a lot of times they get the the, uh, peanut butter flavor. They don't taste like peanut butter cookies. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what they taste like, but it's not a real peanut butter cookie. Those grandma brand, this is not a sponsored announcement. They taste like actual peanut butter cookies that my grandmother actually made when she was a cafeteria lady back in the day. So right about the time, in fact, actually, it was weird. While I was driving, and I don't know how they do that, and this is the freaky thing about parents. As I'm driving, I'm driving for eight hours. I'm driving for eight hours, and they called me twice while I was on my trip, okay, to get to their house. And both times, I was off of the freeway at a complete stop And that's weird. Like, what are the odds of them randomly calling two times in an eight-hour span and both times I was on one of my little potty breaks? Does my mother still know every time I need to go to the bathroom? So, the reason my parents called the second time, the first time was just to say, hi, how's it going, and uh, blah, 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 right? The second time was, actually, it was my dad that called me which always freaks me out a little bit because again he doesn't really talk. My dad called and said, "Hey, what's what's the weather where you are?" Uh. So I say, "There's no weather. It's uh, you know, it's kind of cloudy but not not completely cloudy. It's kind of cloudy. It's 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 not solid cloudy." So he said, "Oh, okay. Well, here it looks like it's trying to rain or something. I just wanted to know Mom and I think that, you know, be aware of the weather. And if something goes down, just don't keep coming. Find a, you know, a hotel motel, holiday inn and stay there, yada, yada, yada. Now, he doesn't realize how far I am at this point. I think that at this point, honestly, for me to find a hotel motel, whatever, I would have to turn around and go back somewhere somewhere. I think at this point I'm at the base of what I think of as the mountain road. And so it's kind of all or nothing. And the sun is going down quickly. And I don't really know what time it is because the car I never I never changed the time on the car when we fell back. And also it's just off. You know what I mean? So it's not exactly an hour behind me or ahead of me or whatever it is. Like, see what I mean? I don't know what time it is. All I know is it's apparently time for the, for the sun to set. So the sun is setting. I'm not expecting the sun to set for another hour, but it's going down and it's going down fast. But luckily I somehow tricked ways into telling me, a different way of going than I usually go, which cuts about 75% of the scary, scary mountain road off the trip, which was awesome. Now I had to go through a town called Skull Valley, but while I was driving through Skull Valley, I did not get the sensation of my skull being grabbed by essentially the devil uh, while the the devil or gravity or uh, whatever threatens to throw me over a cliff, so I get to my parents' house. I've never seen this house; they moved. So, so shortly after, uh, my mother's accident and rehabilitation, all her heart failures and her oxygen and all that stuff, my parents put their house back. It had been on the market and there were a couple of near misses. Well, they put it back on the market. They sold it and they've already moved. I don't know how they do that. It would take me 10 years to move. We've been in this house since 2000. I, I can't imagine m- moving, but they already moved. So their new house, blessed them. I and mean, this was the idea, but their new house is all on one level. So I go in Hugs all around. We have a nice meal. We don't take that long to eat. You know what I mean? The food was already made. So I wasn't there very long before we were sitting down and eating. We ate, we chat, we do this, we do that. And then my dad, one of my parents, takes M- M- Millie, the the Australian sheepdog thing, whatever she is, the neediest dog I've ever seen, but takes her outside to go pee-pee, little doggy pee-pee, right? And comes back and the dog is covered in snow. And so we look outside and in the time that I have been there eating, which really, I got to tell you, was probably 30 minutes. It started to snow. It snowed. What I can only imagine was about three or four inches and then completely stopped snowing. What is that? What is that? Now, I'm glad, I guess, that it didn't snow when I was driving, although I would love to have seen it snowing. That would have been kind of cool, right? To see the snow snowing while I'm drive driving, but it didn't. But again, that's good because if it had been snowing, I probably would have driven off the mountain, right? Because when I was on the little bit of the mountain that I needed to be on, the, there was this beeping sound that started. And at first I didn't realize what it was. And then I finally realized it is a beep that's telling me that it's below freezing. Does your car, see, I, I my car could have that and I would never know. The car has a little thing with a snowflake that comes on when it's below freezing. Do all cars, does your car have that? And I just don't drive around when it's below freezing. So we looked at the snow and... You know, my, I had already kept my parents up two hours after their normal bedtime. So, and I was tired. That's a lot of driving. I was tired. So they went to bed. I went to bed and, uh, you know, got in bed and uh, sat there for three or four hours. Yeah, because you see, I can't stay awake while I'm driving. But when I'm in bed, I literally can't sleep. I can't keep my eyes open when I'm driving, and I literally cannot keep them shut when I'm in bed. And I watched an entire uh, The Rock, Kevin Hart movie, and half of uh, Red 2 starring Bruce Willis, before I realized, oh... You took a a very potent amphetamine uh, around two in the afternoon, dum-dum. You just might as well settle in because it's going to be a long night. Anyway, it was great to see my parents. They look so much better than they did in the summer. Because my mom, you know, with her almost dying and not being home, and that took its toll on my father as well. So they both just looked like themselves. <laughs> I was so happy. I was so happy to see them and so happy to see them in a house that they didn't have to go upstairs for everything or downstairs for everything. Because their old house to go to bed. They had to go downstairs. So you take a shower. They had to go downstairs. Everything, everything was up and downstairs, up and down, up and down, up and down. They, they had, right? Just one story beautiful house. Of course, it's my mother. So it's already perfectly decorated. I'm sure I've told you this before, but that was, that was my mom's modus operandi. Basically, it was perfect because my dad, career minded, would work at, at, you know, whatever his current position was. He worked for Kodak. He'd work at his current position. And then two, three years in, Somebody would, uh, maybe he would look around. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But someone would offer him a different position. And he would take it and then we would have to move. Or at least I thought of it as having to move. But it turns out my mother thought of it as getting to move. Because every time you move, you have to redecorate the house. You have to repaint and re-wallpaper. You might have to put down new rugs or new floors or something. So moving as often as we did as stressful as that was for us my mother was in seventh heaven and this is something that we realized about her ages ago but we never really talked about it when i was there the other day we were watching she loves to watch those home renovation shows and she actually turned to me in the in the in a moment of the most like fiercely, clearly self-aware whatever that I've ever seen from my mother, she turned to me and goes, you know, I really should have done that for a living, meaning renovate houses, because if I had done that, we maybe wouldn't have had to move so much. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Are you kidding? Mom, it was like every two or three years. I would just get a groove, and then I'm mean, I, and I didn't mind it. But it was weird because – you know, I meet people that, well, I married someone who lived in one house her whole life. She lived in one house her whole, you know, growing up, my wife, Melissa. And then she moved around during college, right? You live here the first year you're in college and you live here. And then after college, you have this apartment. And then two years later, you have, and now we've lived here for this will be the 20th year. I've lived here in this house so much longer. I've lived in this studio so much longer than I've been anywhere. It's kind of freaky. You know that? Have you, I mean, do you, right? Because I know a lot of people, we've talked about this a million times, I'm sure. A lot of people that like grew up in my, what I consider my hometown uh, of Fairport, the outskirts of Rochester, New York, the suburbs of Rochester, Su- suburban, r- r- rural Rochester, New York, um, and would go away to college or to meet their spouse or whatever, and then ultimately ended up back in Rochester. And I I think this house is my Rochester or something. I don't know. It's weird. Wow. I talked, I talked for th- uh, 43 minutes. I spoke for 40. I talked. I spoke. I don't know. Anyway, 43 minutes have gone by-ish, and um, I thought that was going to be something I discussed for four. So let's see what else is on the list. Uh, Well, yeah, see, I do, um, I need a job, right? A full-time, I mean, I want a job. I work all the time. At this place or at that place or I've got my own, you know, clients or whatever. So it's not that I don't work, but I would like a job. What I mean by that is I would like to stop looking for work, right? Because looking for clients is looking for work, looking for work. Like, I, I, you know, before I was doing this, I was an actor, which is always looking for work. I've been looking for work since I don't, right? The 90s. So I would love to just get a job where I know where I'm going to go for the next you know, two years or whatever until my mom needs to redecorate you know what I mean but but that that's that's proving to be tricky and I think part of it well well here's part of here, here's one of my theories one of my theories is a lot of the a lot of jobs that I apply for definitely are in the podcasting space and I think what could happen is and I'd be surprised slash grateful, I suppose, if this would what ha- But I think what happens is people probably see my resume, right? And on there has to be this this podcast, The Bitter's Pilled, because this for, for a long time, right, has been my calling card, my claim to fame. They listen to this and they go, this guy is a maniac. There is no way we're going to have this crazy person come in to our work every day at nine and then hang around all day, every day for years, like the, you you can't be serious. Now, the truth is, I'm not like this at work at all. You can ask, I have an office mate. Hi, Kelly. I have an office mate and you can ask her what I'm like at all. I'm not like this at all. Although I do complain about Hugo because Hugo comes to work with me, the dog. The dog comes to work with me and has all the women of the office wrapped around his little paws and that irritates me. And so when I talk about the dog, I do sound exactly like this. But otherwise, I just sit quietly like a normal person and do my work and drink a lot of coffee. But that's that's at least... And that's probably an optimistic theory because in that theory built into that is the assumption that they see my resume and they want to know more about me and would go to the trouble of getting kind of far along enough in that process where they would listen to the show enough to go, oh, yeah, no, this guy's wacko. Because I think what really happens is you – nowadays, 90 percent, 100 percent of the time, you – submit a resume electronically. And then some system tries to read what you've submitted and it scans it for buzzwords and then puts you in the reject pile. Or it scans for buzzwords and years. And it tries to figure out if you're over 35. And if you're over 35 or 40, T.O.P.S., Then you go in the shit can. Or really, it's just a crappy system and you, you know, you sit down with InDesign and you make a beautiful resume and then you make a PDF out of that and then you shove it through this machine and the machine's like, ah, you used columns. I don't know what the, why, what are you talking about? Never mind. And they end up hiring a guy's cousin, you know, like the CEO's nephew's best friend, right? I mean, come on. It's who you know. So I started thinking, well, if it is ageism and crazyism, you know, mostly ageism and and also just that I don't leave the property that much. I think if I were maybe out among the people, I would have uh, more opportunities (laughs) than just being a recluse who every once in a while drives to Arizona and back. But um. But but uh, you know, I started thinking like, what do people do that are in my stage of life? Now, as you can tell, I uh, right I, I think I think of myself. I think of myself as a young person, which I am not. Right, I'm not technically young, and I certainly don't look. I, I mean, maybe from a distance. And by distance, I mean a huge distance in silhouette. If I'm like really standing ridiculously straight to kind of make fun of people that stand right, then I probably look young. But there's nowhere, right? There's no way that people understand how young I think I am in my brain. They just see someone who's my age, and I don't even want to say it anymore because it's so disgusting. It makes me, it, it, it gives me a little agita. But I started thinking, you know, what do people that are in middle age or aging middle age, what do they do? Like the, the first thing that came to mind was you, what you're supposed to do is run a B&B. That, that was kind of a cliche. Maybe that's kind of a 90s cliche of like you get to a certain point and then you move out of town and you go to some place, you go to Santa Barbara or whatever, and you buy an old house and you fix it up and you turn it into a and b and you serve, you know, muffins. Right. Which I could handle. You you know, you make a thing of muffins every morning and then at a certain time of day, me and my wife would maybe, uh, you know, make all the beds, straighten up a little bit, wipe down the sinks. But B&Bs have been completely destroyed by Airbnb. Airbnb is... I mean, it's so perfect for the for these times because it's basically like I want to stay at a and b but I want the owner and his wife to stay the F out. I want to just walk into your house and just live there among your things. But I don't want the hassle of even having to meet you. And really, what's more 21st century than that? Right. But then I thought, well. Could I be a greeter at Walmart? Because that was always a big thing for older people. Okay, for the elderly. I'm not elderly, but I thought, you know what? Maybe I could be a young, old guy who greets people at Walmart. But then I realized I go to Walmart a lot. Now, I used to never go to Walmart until I started working in Orange County. And the Orange County Walmart is actually, you know, at 8 in the morning. It's actually not that bad. But they don't have greeters. They have much younger people who kind of like, what do you call it when you greet someone, but it's when they're leaving? Like they, uh, you know, I don't. What do you? I don't even know what the word. For, there's so many things that I don't know if there's a word for now. By the way, which we got to get into. But basically, there's no greeters. There's just like goodbyers, right? You go and you get your stuff and you get it rung up or you ring it up. I always do myself, ring up myself. And then they want to scan your ticket on the way out, which God knows why, because Walmart is the one that just right. Printed the receipt. Why are you then scanning the receipt, but not looking in my bag? It would make more sense if, if, you looked in my bag and looked at my receipt like they do at Home Depot, but they don't even look at my bag. They just scan the receipt that I just grabbed out of the machine five feet away, right? Oh, so if a greeter is a greeter, what is an, right? what is the person that says goodbye to you if they're Right? Do we have a word? Is there a word for that? And I'm just blanking on it because I'm too young slash old to be a greeter. And I keep asking people this question, and I don't know if we have a word for this. Okay, so this is the only way I know how to describe it. And I and I'm not joking. If you know the answer to this, this is not something that I know, and I'm just kind of like trying to be cool or whatever, pretend I don't. I don't know if there's a word for what I'm about to describe. Okay, so if you I have a circle, that's a circle, right? And then if you have a thing that's essentially an extruded circle or an extruded ring, that makes a cylinder, right? Okay. Or a tube. I think like a hollow one of these would be a tube and maybe a, a solid one would be a cylinder. I don't know. I don't, I'm not, not really clear on the differentiation there. But if you take a square... Right, and extrude out a square, so the extrusion is exactly the same size as the square. Then you have a cube. And if you take a square or a rectangle, you can, you know you can call that a box, I guess. If you, right, extrude. I don't know if that's even the word into three dimensions. Blah blah blah. Right. Now, if you have a triangle, and you extrude this triangle, and it, Into the shape of a Toblerone box, you know, Toblerone soup, like fancy Swiss candy, whatever that chocolate is, you know what I mean? By Toblerone, it has a three-sided box. It's not a four-sided box. It's three-sided box. It's not a tube. It's not round. It's a Toblerone box, which is a triangle that's been extended. What What is that called? It's a fairly common thing. I've been seeing Toblerone around since 1970. What the hell do you call the shape that is a Toblerone box? Is it a Toblerone? Because I've never heard it referred to before ever, ever, ever. Is it a conspiracy to keep it from being a named thing? And I thought I'm looking at my papers. I thought there was another word that I didn't know. Oh, yeah, this, this, this is the other thing be, be, when I was driving. So when I was driving and I didn't know what time it is, part of the reason is. And I'm probably not going to explain this right, but basically my where my parents live in Arizona, they don't. Observe daylight savings time or daylight saving time or whatever it's supposed to really be called I've always called the daylight savings time, but apparently it's actually daylight Saving time. I don't really give a crap what it is really called. I call it daylight savings. I'm sorry Sue me Okay so In their part of Arizona, they don't Spring ahead. They're always falling back, right? They're always in that whatever that is. So in the spring We spring ahead and then from then to the end of that is called Daylight Saving Time or Daylight Savings Time. What do you call the other part of the year? What is that called? Normal time? I don't think so. And it's not Greenwich Mean Time plus whatever to get that for your time zone. But what do you call the time of, you know, whatever that is the opposite of Daylight Saving Time? Winter? There's got to, right? Please tell me that there's a name for this. Can you tell that I should do these podcasts more often? Because if I don't, I start having really weird thoughts. Now, one thing at my age, I thought maybe I could um, be a CEO because I'm a good age for a CEO. I'm maybe even a little too old to be a CEO, but I figure, you know what I mean? Like I'm older than the middle management guys or the new guys, the young guys. I could be a CEO, but the problem there is actually not my age so much as I'm too small to be a CEO. I think a CEO, really, you have to be, and I'm sure there's exceptions that prove this rule, but I'm pretty sure that you have to be six feet tall, at least. I think you have to be six feet tall and ideally... Obviously, white. I mean, that goes without saying. You didn't need me to say white, right? That was built in there. And I think you need to have a somewhat prominent nose, a strong nose, male or female. I think it really helps if you have strong features in that big nose away and are tall. Now, I have kind of a, a normal to small nose. So I just between that and the fact that I'm five, seven, five, six and a half and dropping whatever it is, I just don't, I don't see being a CEO. I'm more, I'm more look because it's all casting. That kind of thing is all casting. See, I could be a college professor because I'm small I'm bald. I wear glasses. You know, I don't think a CEO can wear glasses either, but I have glasses. So I should be a college professor. And in fact... One of the thing that one of the things that's happened since I last talked to you is I was seriously up for a job as a college professor at a very, very prestigious local private university. But because now th- let's let's review: fifteen years experience, wrote a book twice. Hall of Fame trophy right behind me right now. Right? I look like a professor. I have leather shoes. I'm bald. I got the glasses. I got, Right? If they needed me to put patches on the elbows of my sport jacket, I would have gone for it. But the thing that I lacked was um, apparently uh, credibility in journalism. Which I guess I get, it being you know from for the journalism department of this particular university that they wanted someone with a journalism background silly me and I'm getting all mad because they didn't hire me you know for that little fact that I didn't actually have any background in the main subject matter uh that they wanted to podcast okay so I think the bottom line is I need to find somewhere where I can be a professor where I don't need to actually really know anything that they really just need a guy to come in with kind of like a tweed jacket. You know what I mean? I've got one of those. It's kind of ill-fitting. It makes me look smaller even because it's just kind of box. Right. I could play. a pro- Maybe I should be. Is there such a thing as a substitute professor? or Is that just high school and middle school? Because I think I could be a good substitute professor I would just come in and just act like a professor and you know like uh, put a slideshow on the board or run a movie or whatever that's what subs used to do when I was in school all right we're gonna wrap it up you know what I mean so before I leave you just to clarify um I said earlier that um one of the reasons we didn't end up going to Arizona as a group at red right immediately after Christmas was because uh Hudson and I were working on a script. And the only reason I bring it up now is because <laughs> the script Okay. The script is about football. Okay. The script is a football script. It's about a football player playing football on a football team. And one of the writers is me. Now, Hudson knows way more, as it turns out, who knew, knows way more about football than I do. Now, he is getting that from his mother's side of the family. His mother's side of the family, they actually follow sports and know about sports and they know how sports work. They own jerseys. They have scarves and hats and things. My brother-in-law painted the floor of his garage the color of the Giants. So clearly, this is coming down that side of my son's family tree. My side of the family tree, I tell my folks... That Hudson and I are writing a script about football players and they just stare at me like, who is crazy enough to hire you two jamokes to write a script about football? And maybe you do, maybe you understand all this football stuff, but I got to tell you, it's still gibberish to me. I finally got Hudson to explain to me what a first down is. I kind of thought I knew I was sort of not too far off. Okay, but I got to tell you something. I don't know how the guys do it. I, right, I don't play football. I watch football on TV. So I have this wonderful, you know, the bird's eye view of the camera guy who's way up in the stands. I never know where the ball is. Never. Unless there's one guy, one, uh, you know, whatever it is, receiver, whatever, has caught the ball and is running not in a group. It cannot be in a group, right? I don't know where the ball is. He has to be running in the clear with a couple of guys chasing him in different uniforms. So that kind of makes it super like, okay, that dude has the ball. Otherwise, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I know you make a touchdown and you get six points or something, seven points, and then maybe you get three more if you kick it right. And I guess a safety is if you tackle the quarterback in the wrong end zone, you get a couple of points. Like, what the hell is the quarterback doing in the wrong end zone? I have no idea. You should get points just for if he goes in the wrong end zone. Just to penalize the guy, you should totally automatically just get points for him being in the end zone of of your team. It's like your home fort. Right. It will it, don't worry. There'll, there's going to be sex and drugs and rock and roll in this script, and I'll, I'll be in charge of that. I'm not in charge of football. Hudson's in charge of football, and I will try to figure out how to add in sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and uh, neuroses, and hair loss. Those are my those are my areas of expertise. Mostly, honestly, neuroses and hair loss. Holy cow! So that's been The Bitterest Pill. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading or streaming or whatever you're doing. We don't really uh, differ anymore because it doesn't matter. Uh, but thank you for listening, however you're listening, wherever you're listening. On Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you download – your favorite podcasts. Don't you love it on a, on a podcast where they tell you where to find the podcast? You just sat through an hour of the podcast, obviously, you know exactly where to find it, and the jackass who's hosting is so- hey, find us on Spotify. Yeah, no kidding. I'm sitting here with Spotify launched right now. How do you think I can hear your voice without knowing how to find your podcast? Anyway... I thank you for listening Um, I don't have my laptop in front of me So I have to ask our executive producer The fake uh, computer voice To read the uh, Patreon uh, List You know what I mean? Because the the show is made possible by our patrons Who patronize me uh, By patronizing me through Patreon Uh, It's made possible by all the patrons Uh, Patrons like Alex, Mirror Ram Lasagna Dan Kykendall Dave Hall of Fame Jackson David Chase and Gerard Cortenas Edward Knopfnagel Flores Harold Goldner Jay Salvastano, Jeff Short Jim Cariotis Megan Mike Scott Hamilton Peter Chase Rob New 80s Music Oozan Sean Othan Sean Stewart Tom Carroll Mr. Disneyland himself Paul Barry, Dr. Robert Rice and the moderator Help Dan keep the show going. Become a patron of the Bitterest Pill today. Oh yeah, so the Bitterest Pill, this is what this is. You know what's at the You should write me an email or follow me on social media. Dan class on Twitter. Dan class on Instagram. I downloaded Snapchat, I don't get it. I'm not doing Snapchat leaning. Well oh, I but I am. I gotta figure out a way to get on TikTok. Because I can totally lip-sync. I've been lip-syncing since I was eight. I could lip-sync in a tube top. Totally. All right, listen, thanks for listening. I miss you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. The Bitters Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's...